Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. My name is Graham Baldwin. Good to have you here with us today. Hope uh, life is treating you good. I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, hope wherever you are in the world and however you are doing, I hope things are good. We are on episode 69. we got a great episode for you today. Hey, if you're just joining us, if this is the first time you're listening, hey, we're glad you're here. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We're going to be talking all about speaking, the business of speaking, the art of speaking, people in the industry, speakers, all different types of subjects and topics related to speaking. So whether you are brand new to speaking, you're just getting started, or you've been doing it for a little while and you're trying to figure out how to build and grow your business, this is for you. Now, I know a lot of people are interested not just in speaking, but interested in, in building their platform and building their brand. That's something we hear a lot from people. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on today's uh, episode with today's guest. Today, we are talking with my friend, Elizabeth Marshall, who is a uh, book marketing and um, book launch wizard. All right. So if you've got a book in you, a book out, a book in the market right now, or you're getting ready to have a book coming out, this is a great episode for you teaching all about how to, how to market, how to sell your book, how to promote your book and get the word out into the world. So we're going to be having that conversation today with Elizabeth. She has worked on a lot of uh, bestsellers with big name authors, people like uh, Seth Godin, Michael Port, just really, really sharp gal, knows her stuff. So I I think you're really going to enjoy today. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Miss Elizabeth Marshall. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we're joined by my friend, Elizabeth Marshall, who is a uh, brand building expert and a speaker, author, and just all around cool girl. So uh, Elizabeth, how are you today? I'm great, Grant. Thanks for having me. It is an honor to hang out with you. So let's start with this. You do some speaking yourself, but then you also help people who are positioning themselves as thought leaders, positioning themselves as authorities and experts in various types of industries. You've worked with a lot of big people in, the, in primarily the, it sounds like the business space, but why don't you give us kind of a big picture view of what your business looks like today and we'll kind of backtrack a little bit. Sounds great. Well, Grant, I am so passionate about working with thought leaders and messengers who really want to change the conversation in their industry, and they want to be recognized leaders at the top of their field. As you mentioned, I've been fortunate to work with some really great people and big names that your audience might know, such as you know everyone from Michael Port to Seth Godin to Howard Bihar, the former Starbucks president. And while my clients span the gamut in terms of their type of message, you know, whether it be business, communication, I've even had some health and wellness clients. What they all have in common is that they 
are committed to their message and they want to use the mediums of books and speaking and they have a business behind their message and they want to create a lasting impact. They want to make great money too in the process, but right. you know they're driven every day by wanting to make a substantial impact with their audience. I want to get into that because I know that there's a lot of people listening who kind of fit into that paradigm of what you described of, yes, I want to be a speaker and yes, I want to speak, but I'm also looking to build kind of this bigger personal brand, this platform of, I want to speak, I want to have a book, I want to have a blog or a podcast or a host my own event or whatever it may be. And there's a lot of ways that you can take your expertise, your authority, your thought leadership and share that with the world. And speaking just happens to be one of those ways. So let's, first of all, let's, uh, I'm curious, like what's your backstory? How did you get into what you're doing now? So, you know, it's interesting, Grant. I said to my mom when I was like five or six years old, I want to get paid to read books. And it's really funny how, you know, things that we say as kids become true. But my first entree into the book world was around Michael Port's book launch for Book Yourself Solid back in 2006. When he had hair. Yeah, exactly. Had a bit more hair. <laughs> Which, in fact, that was a, and I've told Michael this, and we've had Michael on the on the podcast here as well, but that book was extremely instrumental for me personally in just my own speaking business, like when I was getting started. And that's still a book that I sit on the shelf right over there, and I continue to recommend to people. So you are partially to blame for any, yeah, l- well, any, any, any success that I've had in, in speaking. Fantastic. Happy to take the blame. You know, that's, (laughs) Grant, that's actually a great example of an evergreen title, you know, in the publishing space. You know, we talk about, you know, books that do well on the backlist and, you know, an evergreen title that can really withstand the test of time and Book Yourself Solid is one of those perfect examples. It's had two or three editions, you know, in the print form. And then Michael actually now has a version called Book Yourself Solid Illustrated and the principles remain just as relevant as ever. And at the same time, he's you know, added and cultivated that message over time. So there are new principles and strategies and elements in the Book Yourself Solid Illustrated version that came out, you know, six or seven years later after the initial book. So he's a great example of how you can have a core message and you can develop, refine, and shape it over time as you go public with the message, you share it with your audience, whether it be in the form of a a keynote, a breakout session, and then certainly other mediums as well, and you listen to the feedback that you get, it helps the message be stronger and continue to be relevant for the audience. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So but going back to yeah, yeah, yeah. going back to Michael's launch. Sorry, I digress. I get as you can tell, I'm very passionate about the work that I do. So going back to Michael's launch, I had met him in 2005 and just really resonated with his message. And long story short, he put out an offer for someone to join the team to help with the book launch. And well, you know, I had a strong background in marketing and sales. And while I hadn't launched a book before, you know, I had enough experience in worldview just to know how it worked. And in the process, I, you know, I joined the team and ended up running the launch. And so we had a really big scale launch. And that was back in the days where you designed a campaign to be an Amazon bestseller. And so we amassed, you know, all these different strategic partners to help promote the book. And we stayed at number two on Amazon for an entire weekend behind one of a book that it was Dr. Oz's book or one of Oprah's big books that she had promoted that we were, it was going to be very difficult to accept. And so we had a really great launch with that book. Gotcha. So you helped launch that book. You were doing that full time? Yep. So I had my own coaching practice working with entrepreneurs and I knew that 
you know, all of my clients were ones that wanted to be using their expertise to become, you know, to stand apart from the competition. And actually in partnering with Michael, I was also taking individual coaching clients through the Book Yourself Solid brand. Michael had stopped doing individual coaching as well. And so I was working with, you know, clients coming through his brand as well. So there was a lot of nice synergies there. And running that launch, immerse myself in the world of book publishing. And then shortly after that, I guess a year later is when, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Michael was interviewing Seth for the launch of The Dip. And I saw a way to combine a book launch with the popularity of teleseminar series. So kind of underneath the radar, I had worked on Michael's launch, a few other book launches, as well as designed teleseminar series for a couple of other big names. And it all came together in this brand, my own brand, Author Teleseminars, which is a virtual book tour series for authors. And so that was a big piece of my business for three and a half, almost four years. And then what I noticed, Grant, over time is that, you know, authors would come to me and say, oh, I want to do a virtual book tour with you. And either they weren't at the right stage for that, or in many cases, they didn't have a strong enough foundation and overall strategy for their book launch. So more and more, I took business away from the virtual book tour piece and had more private clients that I would help design their launch from A to Z, but also help them look at the big picture to say, okay, it's great that you're launching this book, but let's look at where this is taking you Mm. and your career as a thought leader so that when we're designing the launch, we're not only doing it in a way that helps you sell books, but is a bigger play so that you can build strategic relationships with industry groups, associations, other big influencers in your industry so that, you know, after the initial wave of the book launch, you don't fall to the ground with a thud, but you have some momentum to create some staying power in the industry. Let's talk about that for a second, because there's certainly, and we kind of touched on this earlier, where there's a lot of people who are interested in speaking who are also just interested in building that platform, building that bigger personal brand. And so whether that starting piece is a book or whether the starting piece is a speech or whether the starting piece is a podcast or whatever, how do we begin to think beyond just that one thing to begin to think of ourselves as a personal brand and looking at how we can take this one message in this current format and spread that? Like, how do you do that today? Well, that's a great question. I would say there's two parts to that. Number one, making sure that the message that you're wanting to spread is one that you're really committed to versus the one that looks good in paper that you think is a nice idea. (laughs) Is there a way to know the difference? Um, well, the you know, one of the best ways to do that is to go test it with an audience. And so that might be booking a beta workshop with 30 colleagues and friends to test and see, you know, is this an, is a message that I want to be married to or do I just want to go on a date with it and then I'm done, right, you know? Right. So, you know, testing the messages is one of the best ways to say, okay, there's some legs here. This is something that I want to be committed to. And here's the thing. You don't have to know all of the aspects of the message to know this is what I'm called to share, you know, because you can develop that over time. And, you know, as you write articles and say even a special report or an ebook and you begin to develop your idea more fully and certainly on the speaking side with, you know, delivering it in the form of a breakout or a keynote, you begin to listen and hear and say, oh, the audience really resonates with these three concepts and this is the methodology I've used with clients and I'm getting some really good traction here, then you can say, okay, I know I have some of the structure that I need and you then may test 
different stories that, that you're going to use, certainly from the stage, but also in your writing as well. But when you get a clear sense of the overall concept and some of the methodology and you know that it works with your audience and you can say, okay, I can build on my structure from here. So that's one piece. And then the other piece of it is understanding that as a thought leader, there's actually 10 elements of your platform that you need to be aware of and develop at any given time, like not all at once, but when you understand where you are on the journey and your current stage as a thought leader, you may say, okay, from a priority standpoint right now, I need a much better website or part of my speaking platform is missing. You know, I don't have the video. I don't have two or three compelling talks to offer or on the like publishing and like content side of things. Maybe I don't have an ebook or a signature piece that is a showcase of my idea in advance of having a book. You said there was it like 10 pieces of a platform? Yep. 10 elements of your thought leader platform. And, you know, they all come into play over the course of your career. And when you, what I've seen grant over time is that when a thought leader doesn't know their stage and where they're headed and their overall goals, it's not a question of if, but like how much time, money and energy they can waste. And that happens for two reasons. Number one, they may not be aware of the bigger picture and all the elements that they need to focus on. So they've got some big missing pieces. And we talked, you know, I referenced those a minute ago, like there might be elements of your speaker or author platform that are missing, or, you know, your website's not quite up to snuff, or you don't have a really good strategy to build strategic relationships. But then in other cases, especially for speakers who have some traction under their belt and even some well-known author speakers, we can fall into the trap of trying to do everything at once and focusing on, say, getting media or press when there's certain aspects of your business model or other elements of your speaker platform that aren't where they need to be. So the press you're getting is not the right kind of press. And so really understanding those elements and saying, okay, these are my priorities right now based on my goal. That's going to help you get that traction. Let's talk a little bit more about that for a second, because I am I think that's such a, a great point that so many just entrepreneurs in general, we see some of these personal brands that may be several years ahead of where we are, or they have the type of business that we'd like to have. And like you said, they speak, they blog, they have a podcast, they do events, they have books, they, like, they just have their hands in a bunch of things. But the reality is, is they didn't create all those things at once. Like That's over the course of several years. So if I'm someone listening to this going like, like, okay, I'm interested in speaking, but I'm also interested in having a book or an online course or, you know, these other different options. How do I pick which one to start with and which ones can wait? I'm going to use the, it depends answer because it's really true. It depends on the business model. So let's go back to our friend, Michael Port. So Michael, before he wrote Book Yourself Solid, he actually started off with an e-course, which then led to an audio product that he created with the seven keys to getting book solid. And if you've had a chance to look at Book Yourself Solid, those of you listening, you'll notice that what I just said is different than the format that the book is currently in. So he went from an e-course and then expanded the content to this three CD set back in the day when the CD sets were popular. (laughs) And it was the seven keys to getting book solid. And as in tandem with launching that product, and running a 15-week live group coaching program with his list, he then began to refine and shape 
the way that the message and the content was laid out. So then it ultimately took that form with his book. And so for those of you listening, if you're not sure, you know, where to start, it can be easy to jump in and say, oh my gosh, I'm going to go for that big book. My recommendation is to find that single, you know, like, you know, it used to be with the albums, you know, you'd release a single before the whole album. Right. Well, find that single that you can start with. What's one piece of your message that you can develop into a compelling ebook, a compelling video series, an e-course or some sort of, you know, freemium content that will allow you to work on your message, share it with an audience, build a list around that content, which grant you model very well on your websites. Um, and, and with your model, you want to test and build an audience around it because it's really easy to jump into that big book and write it in isolation and say, oh, it's here. <laughs> and, and, you know, as you were referencing before, if you build it, they will not come. You do want to build that audience in tandem as you develop your message, because when that audience is built and they're going with you along the journey, then they're going to be waiting for that book when it comes out. Right. And most importantly, that book is going to be so much better than it would be if you were to write it in isolation because you've been testing it all along the way. You've been listening for feedback, you know, as you deliver your talks, as you say you're a guest on a webinar, as you write articles and publish them. If you get that feedback from your audience, then you can incorporate it into your overall idea. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I've got a self-published book we had come out several years ago that came out of speaking and so I was able to test the material and work on the material and figure out what was resonating with people rather than, like you said, just going like, ah, I kind of have an idea and I'm going to go into the cave and come back out eventually. And hopefully I got it right. Whereas when you're actually able to talk through the material and figure out and do Q&A sessions when you're speaking and figure out what are the common questions that people are asking, those things can really help you refine and shape what that book might look like. Exactly. And just like speakers need to know what category they fit into with your book, you need to know, you know, we don't have as much of an experience with the proverbial, the physical bookstore anymore, but the concept is still really important of understanding which shelf would you be on? Would you pick on Amazon to, you know, put your book in that particular space? And when you know which category and which shelf you sit on, as well as who are the other leaders in that space. So, you know, before writing a book, say, okay, there, you know, I'm adding to the conversation. I'm not the only voice here. You know, what has been said on my particular topic and not just like the big, huge names like a Seth or a Malcolm Gladwell, but who are, you know, some comparable thought leaders that may be just a few steps ahead of you. What have they said on the topic What would you like to add to the conversation? How do you do it differently? What's not being said or what's that unique combination that you can offer? And I see this trend in speaking, but certainly on the publishing side as well, it's really easy to pick a topic that's too broad and too general and doesn't have a unique point of view, a promise and an angle. And that's really important, you know, on the publishing side to make sure that your book stands out. Yeah, and that's true with, like you said, with books and with speaking as well, is that, and which is a huge, huge challenge for most speakers, is because we're coming into this and we want to just help people, right? And so, where would your proverbial speech fit at the shelf of Barnes Noble? I just, I don't, it's fit everywhere. I just want to help people. Like, ah, that doesn't work. You really got to narrow <laughs> yes. down of, of who you're marketing to and who your audience is. Exactly. As our friend Google likes to reveal, anyone is not an audience. Yes. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> that is true. Now, 
Now, okay, I'm curious. So you mentioned the 10 pieces of a platform. Do you happen to know those 10 off the top of your head? Can I put I you on the do. spot? I do. In fact, I have a, a great little diagram that we can share in the show notes if yeah. people are interested in looking at the visual representation. But it's speaking, books, traditional media, social media, your business model. So that's really like, that's the foundation from which you make decisions, you know, aside from your message, where am I going with this? You know, Mm. how am I going to deliver the message in all the different forms, your message, your audience, which they're very closely related, but distinct strategic partnerships. So that's going to be relationships, everyone from fellow authors, speakers, and influencers in your industry to association heads, groups, executives, you know, anyone who has something to say and has weight in your space, your content strategy, and your website, or your online presence. Nice. Okay. Yeah. If you've got a, a PDF on that, a visual of that, that'd be awesome. We can definitely link up to that in the show notes. One of the things I'm curious about, a couple of those things that you mentioned, your message, your audience, your business model, how often are those things evolving and changing? Because I think sometimes, especially when you're getting started, it's really easy to overthink it and think that whatever I'm picking, that's permanent. And I have to do that forever. And this is the only talk I'm ever going to give. This is the only audience I could ever <laughs> speak right. to. That's right. So like how often is that shifting? Like kind of talk us through that. It is, you know, I like to say, you know, your message is a living, breathing entity. And, you know, the more you interact with your audience, as well as, you know, the more experience you get as a practitioner, you know, whether you're a coach or consultant delivering workshops or, you know, as you're interacting with your message, not only are you getting that feedback, but you're doing research. And I say that with, you know, air quotes, you don't have to be a PhD, but you know, you're looking at what's happening in the market. And that's the biggest piece. Our market is shifting and changing. So the way you might talk about your message two years ago is not going to be relevant today. And so you want to be incorporating, you know, what's happening in your field or industry, what's the economy doing, what are on people's minds. And that helps you change the packaging and the skin around which you deliver your message. And then that also thereby affects your business model as well. And I'll share an example. One of my clients, or actually two, you know, one alumni client and then one current client, you know, they both had visions of, you know, having people certified in their methodology and, you know, having a training program, but that wasn't possible until they had a big enough audience for Mm -hmm. their message, you know? So, you know, if you're listening to this and you say, okay, I have 500 or a thousand subscribers, that might not be the right time to jump in feet first for some big, you know, certification or training program, or it also might be early to really say, okay, I'm going to have a live online training or an online course that attracts a thousand people. Well, like you do the math and you look, your list doesn't have, you know, you don't have that scale yet. And so at that stage you say, okay, what can I do to really build my audience? And what are the business models that I can use right now based on my stage and based on the current size of my audience and platform. How do I, as I'm looking through those 10 pieces, wherever I'm at, whether I've got a couple of those boxes checked or whether I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started, how do I look at that list and not feel discouraged about what I need to get done, what has to be built over time? Yeah. And, you know, I would say that ties into, yeah, looking at all those elements is a similar activity to saying, oh my gosh, you know, Somebody like Seth Godin or even, you know, looking to you, Grant, or Michael Porter, others and saying, oh, my gosh, that's so far in the future. 
it's a really easy thing to do. And, you know, we judge ourselves instead of saying the current like place that our current stage is actually perfect and there's more opportunity than we realize. And so as an example, one of my clients, when she was first starting, would speak to audiences of 50, you know, 75, even 25. And one of her biggest partnerships is with a huge international association. And she started with her book had just come out. She started with a book club session with them. And literally they're like 40 something people. And then that grew into another session. And then they had her on for a webinar and then a second webinar. And then eventually she got asked to speak at the national conference. She applied, but got accepted. And now she's one of their premier thought leaders. And she's literally reached close to a million people. And I'm not exaggerating because it's a huge, it's, you know, they have a huge membership worldwide. And that all started because she accepted where she was and made the most of each opportunity in front of her. So if you're listening and saying, okay, that's kind of where I am, you can start and say, okay, I know I'm passionate about my message. And I can look at all of these and say, you know what, I don't need to get distracted by traditional media because that's down the line. That's not necessary right now. You know, there's this sex appeal around, ooh, if I just get, you know, booked on MSNBC or featured in some major media outlet that I'll be made in the shade. It used to be when, you know, Oprah was on, it was like the oh, Oprah yeah. effect. And and the reality is, is that that's not going to move the needle nearly what you think it will in terms of like getting clients. Those, you know, those moments rarely work out. And instead you can say, okay, what if I become the best known expert in my local town or in my region or in my small space, like a niche space online, and I continue to grow my audience, then I'll be ready for media at a later date. Or then my platform might be at a place where I could pursue traditional publishing as opposed to self-publishing. Right, right. It's a, I think a good reminder is like all those people, the big wigs that we look up to in any industry or space, like just also remembering that they all started at zero too. Like exactly. No, like exactly. nobody has like a, a fast forward pass or anything like that that just like means that all of a sudden they have something you don't have. Like Seth Godin's blog started with zero readers and he right. originally sold zero books. And like anybody that we would look up to and admire... They have done blog posts that suck and they have done speeches that bombed. And like, we all start from zero. So just reminding ourselves, like, just work with what you've got, do that with excellence, and then just build and improve as you go. Just having that long-term perspective there. Exactly. And I would say, you know, if you remember the long-term and then set an intention for consistency and ubiquity. So be, you know, faithful and getting your message out on a regular basis. And and there's the rub, you know, like if you're not passionate about your message and you don't feel a bigger calling to really make a difference with it, that's where it's hard to continue. Because if you're, you know, if it's a message that you think, oh, I could potentially do this. Well, that's where the rubber hits the road. You know, like, you know, there's going to be days that you're tired of, you know, getting that no, you know, you're not quite at the place where I can have you on my podcast or, you know, contact me when your platform is bigger. There's going to be days when you get that rejection and, and, and then other days that you just feel, I mean, just tired, like I don't want to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. without that passion and commitment to the message, it can be hard to continue. So there's that consistency piece. And then ubiquity as well. With my clients, when they've been at earlier stages with their platform, 
you say yes to those relevant groups and associations, even when they have 25 attendees, 50 attendees mm. for a talk, or it's a webinar for 15 people, because that ubiquity, if it's the right audience, you never know who's sitting in that audience who could be on the board for a much larger association or whose husband could be connected to a corporation that could be relevant for you. So you just, it's about quality as much as, as it is about quantity. So, you know, not being so selective, you know, saying yes to the right ones, you know, not going to necessarily speak to the knitters, you know, when your message is not relevant for them. But if it's a relevant association, look to building those relationships and realize that by saying yes to that first thing, that's a step to building a long-term relationship as opposed to just a one-off transaction. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you made a great point there that regardless of how passionate you are about your message, there's going to come days where it's just work, where you don't want to do it. It's not on day one. It's really exciting. You're really amped up. You're really fired up. We're doing it. This is fun. And then you get to a point where you're just like, it is work. And so being able to be committed behind the scenes of putting in the effort and the energy to continue to push the ball forward. So, okay, let's talk about this real quick. Since you've done a lot with book publishing and launches in general, especially with books, if people are listening going like, okay, I'm on a much, 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 much smaller scale than a Seth Godin or a Michael Port or some of their books, but I either have a book out or I'm getting ready to publish a book, you know, self or traditional or whatever. What are some ways that we can promote our book and get that message via book form out into the world? Great. So, you know, it's really tempting at all levels, but certainly when you're just getting started and you're wanting to get that book out, you know, there's a lot of shiny objects out there. Like, ooh, let me invest in this like really super cool software that was just, you know, funded by Kickstarter and it's really innovative and unique and it'll do, you know, all these bells and whistles and we forget the basics. So with the book launch, you want to think about who can help you. There's four things, promote, endorse, refer or buy. And you start with the people you know, and you say, okay, do I have a mailing list? If so, great. I'm going to create a campaign to help promote my book to my list. And it, and that campaign is not, you know, hey, buy my book. And three days later, oh, did you buy the book? You know, providing some really great content in and around the book to give them a taste and encourage them to want to buy the book. So you put together those strategies that help you reach the people that you already have an existing relationship with. But oftentimes I'll see that emerging authors will just stop there and say, oh, I just have a list of, you know, 200 people and that's it. There's nothing else that I can do. And actually, if you look at your relationships, you might be able to identify, wow, you know, I have a colleague who has a big network and maybe he's willing to send out and he doesn't have a mailing list, but maybe he is willing to send out a note to his 500 connections on LinkedIn. There's an insurance agent I know locally here in Dallas. He's a classic example of that. He doesn't, doesn't have a mailing list, but he sends out BCC emails with these recommended resources. And over time, I can tell you that like statistically, emails like that convert better for book sales than any social media posts. It's not that the social media posts aren't important, but it's knowing which strategies help you go directly to an audience or help you take advantage of the good faith and trust, you know, that your colleagues have in you and going directly to the audience and selling books that way. 
So how important is it to build an email list to sell to like books? To oh, audience? it's essential. You know, it's, it's funny, Grant, you know, as I look back over the past, you know, 10 to 12 years, you know, we went through this phase of, you know, in 2003, four, five, six, you know, that was kind of the height of the online marketing email list. And then there was from 2007 to 2011, 12, there was kind of this backlash of, you know, the explosion of blogs and this kind of poo-pooing of the email list in favor of the blog. And, you know, at the time, you know, blogs certainly were helpful and valuable in converting readers into book buyers. But then I've seen that trend come full circle and some of those big bloggers will come back and say, unless, and, you know, Seth is an exception and an outlier, they've come full circle to say, you know, the email list is of primal importance. You know, imagine like if Facebook went down tomorrow or Twitter Mm -hmm. shut their doors or, you know, we just saw that with Catch and Periscope. They don't have their funding. And imagine if all of your contacts are through the social platforms and you don't own, own is not necessarily the greatest word, but if you don't have access and the freedom to be able to follow up with them independent of those platforms, you're at the mercy of the social media tools that you use and the rules that they set. And that's not a good place to be. You want to build your own community. Yeah, totally would agree with that. And we've talked about this on several episodes of just building that email list, the importance of it, how to do that. And then also, as you kind of alluded to here, of of why that matters, not just for speaking, not just for books, but just, again, that personal brand of whether you're building your platform via social media or traditional media or any other places you're building, like you kind of alluded to, like on rented ground. So being able to, quote unquote, own that email list, you know, again, so to speak, makes a huge, huge difference as you're building that brand in a variety of different ways. So, hey, uh, Elizabeth, if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where can we go? Absolutely. So my website is elizabethmarshall.me. So Elizabeth with the Z, Marshall with two L's and .me. Deal. We will link up to that in the show notes. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate you letting us hang out with you. Yes, thank you so much, Grant. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat chatteroo with Miss Elizabeth Marshall. Uh, good stuff. Definitely check out what she is up to. Hey, as a quick reminder, as always, we do these online free trainings pretty frequently. So if you are looking for help in how to find and book speaking engagements, we'd love to have you come hang out with us. So you can stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Check out when our next free online training is. Register for that. We'd love to see you on that at an online website website near you. That didn't make any sense, but you know what? We're going to leave that in. Take one. Hey, uh, also, we'd love to have you subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review and uh, let us know what we can help you with. Let us know how where you're struggling in your speaking business. Let us know how we can uh, best serve you. So feel free to reach out to us anytime. All right, my friends, we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.